Welcome to podcast episode 235. I'm Stuart McCullough, I'm the CEO of VHA. And joining me for today's discussion is Maria Coppola, Senior Workplace Relations Consultant. Welcome, Maria. Thanks, Stuart. Maria, uh, you've been through this process before. You know how it works. Today, we're going to show a clue. In fact, there are going to be two clues uh, suggesting the subject for today's discussion. With respect to the first clue, it's worth thinking about uh, what you're seeing plus one additional letter. Now, let's have a look at that clue now. So, Maria, for the benefit of those people who are uh, listening to this podcast rather than watching, can you describe what it is you've just seen? So, um, it looks like someone is cooking in a wok. Excellent. Um, that is a very, very accurate description as to what you've seen. And the second clue, uh, in this instance, I think you need to think, uh, just give consideration to taking a letter out rather than adding one in. Let's have a look at that second clue. And once again, now uh, for the benefit of those people who are listening rather than watching, can you describe what it is you've just seen? Uh, it is a compilation of roosters crowing. Mm. Uh, and obviously, I can understand why uh, we haven't shown the full compilation. Uh, it's just a little, uh, just a little segment there. Uh, so we've got a wok and a rooster. Uh, based on those clues, Maria, uh, what would you say the subject for today's discussion is? So with a wok, I'd say maybe something to do with work, and then roosters, rosters. Uh, that's a little bit eerie uh, that you've managed to accurately uh, describe and actually pick up from that. In fact, it's miraculous that you've managed to deduce from those clues uh, the subject for today's discussion. We are indeed uh, talking about hours of not walk, hours of work, and not roosters, but rosters. Uh, in particular, we're talking about clauses uh, 55 and 57 uh, from the new medical scientists agreement and the changes that have been made to those. We're also going to touch a little bit on uh, a new requirement about 10 hour breaks between ordinary shifts and some associated provisions at 57A uh, and B. Um, so we'll start at clause 55 and the first subclause, which contains the kind of information you'd expect in an hours of work clause and a significant change with respect to pharmacists. Um, so for the benefit of those um, that are listening, um, so the clause uh, says for ordinary hours of work of full timers um, at 55.1a, ordinary hours of work shall be 38 per week or 76 per fortnight. For 55.1b, the ordinary hours shall be 152 hours per four week period to be worked as 19 shifts each of eight hours duration or by mutual agreement shifts of not more than 10 hours um, each over four four days per week may be worked, um, provided that the length of any ordinary shift shall not exceed 10 hours. So Maria, that's a, a pretty conventional term with regards to full-time hours of work, but you indicated that there have been some changes with respect to pharmacists. Yes, so um, it's a reform to what was something of an anomaly regarding hours of work, specifically an existing limitation that required ordinary hours by pharmacists to be worked between Monday to Friday only. So meaning that weekend work would be overtime. That's correct. The biggest challenge with that uh, is that there's a limitation that doesn't apply to the rest of the hospital. That limitation makes it more difficult to supply those services. 
So we previously noted that workload was a key theme for this and for other negotiations. Uh, but it's also fair to say that in the context of this agreement, pharmacy was a, a really key theme. Yes, and subclauses C and D outline how that change will occur. Uh, so subject to subclause D, the ordinary hours for a week's work for a pharmacist, student pharmacist or pharmacist intern shall be worked between Monday and Friday and effective from the 1st of July 2023, subject to the provisions of Schedule 13, the pharmacist weekend ordinary hours roster provision. Um, a pharmacist, including an intern and student pharmacist, may work ordinary hours on a weekend. So I think that that point about May uh, is important, but it's not from the outset, it's, it's something that's coming. Uh, and for the sake of completeness, uh, we should also acknowledge subclause E, which is unchanged. So with the exception of time occupied in having meals, uh, the work of each shift shall be continuous. And so just to emphasize, there are there's more to the pharmacy changes that we than we've just outlined, and we'll have more to say about those uh, uh, before the first of July uh, next year. Yes, uh, we'll be doing another podcast later that goes uh, into depth on those issues. Uh, but for the time being, uh, it's enough to say the reform will occur from 1 July 2023. So July 2023 being the magic date. Uh, Subclause 2 of uh, Clause 55 has a provision that is specific to seven day shift workers. It does. Uh, really, it looks beyond an individual week to ensure that there's a rostered off break uh, of at least 24 hours. Um, so what Clause 55.2 provides is that subject to the roster provisions, um, 80 hours may be worked in any two consecutive weeks, provided that no more than six shifts can be rostered or worked consecutively in any one week without the employee being rostered off for a minimum of 24 hours. So the next three subclauses in Clause 55 concern full-time hours, and namely, ADOs, or as an alternative to an ADO, a nine-day fortnight with uh, with longer shifts. So subclause three concerns a nine-day fortnight, uh, and essentially it provides that an employer, an employer, and a full-time employee can work a nine-day fortnight. That particular example, it's not an accrual model; it's just a longer working day in order to achieve that nine-day fortnight. Yeah, so and notwithstanding that option, Clause 55.4 provides that full-time employees otherwise accrue an ADO. So what 55.4a says is that an accrued day off is to accrue for each full-time employee in accordance with um, subclause B below. Uh, subclause B provides that payment for ordinary hours will be for 7 hours and 36 minutes each day worked with 24 minutes each day of ordinary duty uh, being accrued towards one paid day off per four week period. Uh, at C, uh, provided that where shifts are worked over four days uh, in accordance with 55.1B, um, above that local arrangements will be entered into regarding the accrual of ADOs such that full-time employees accrue an ADO over a five-week cycle. So there are then some terms uh, about rosters that are in the hours of work clause. So the effect of subclause five is that ADOs are rostered, although this can be changed by agreement between the employer and employee. So what if it's not by agreement? So the clause refers to the rosters clause, meaning that it's a change in roster. So it's worth saying that clause 55.5 is quite prescriptive regarding ADOs, including that ADOs are taken in conjunction with normal roster days off, uh, that they're paid out on termination, 
that absences on paid leave account uh, towards ADOs, and that if a public holiday falls in an ADO, an ADO in lieu is provided. Finally, there's a subclause for daylight savings entitled Summertime. Clearly, that's a George Gershwin tribute. Uh, it provides, despite the overtime provisions in this agreement, if an employee works on shift during which time changes because of the introduction of or cessation to daylight saving, that employee will be paid for the actual hours worked at the applicable ordinary uh, time rate of pay, including any applicable shift allowances, allowances ordinarily payable in respect of the shift and special rates for Saturdays and Sundays. And that's followed by an example and then a statement about how that works for ADOs. So specifically, despite the above, uh, for the purpose of calculating accrued days off, employees will be taken to have worked the standard hours for a night shift in accordance with the roster. Okay, so no effect. Um, daylight savings has no effect. So that's the hours of work clause, Maria. Uh, the most significant change being with respect to pharmacy ordinary hours, with more details to come on that subject. Uh, that now takes us to the rosters clause. The rosters clause at clause 57, uh, which begins as you'd expect. Uh, at 57.1, a roster setting out all relevant information, including an employee's normal working hours, starting and finishing times, times on call, and time off duty shall be posted at least 28 days before it comes into operation in a conspicuous and readily accessible place. So that's 20 da 28 days in advance setting out certain information. And in terms of what we mean by a roster, the subclause elsewhere makes clear that um, the roster can be electronic uh, and subclause B provides the roster shall not change with without at least 14 days notice of a change uh, in roster, except in the case of sickness or other emergency. And that's subject to subclause 57.2. So spoiler alert, uh, subclause 57.2 does concern a change of roster. Uh, the term requires 14 days uh, of notice other than in certain circumstances. Specifically, subclause two provides that where an employer changes the employee's roster once set in accordance with 57.1a, other than as accepted in subclause 57.1b, the change of roster allowance will apply in relation to each change as follows. So if there's seven days or less notice, the higher change of roster allowance will be provided. Uh, if there's eight to 14 days notice, uh, the lower change of roster allowance will be provided. So that's a two-tier roster allowance, uh, very similar, really the same as the nurses' agreement. And noting that there are exceptions regarding um, payment in 57.1b, including an emergency. Uh, and that's largely conventional. The point of difference has been the presence of, of rostering principles and protocols within this clause. That's really the point of distinction. And these were in the previous agreement and provided limitations on how employees could be rostered. So there are changes uh, here that maintain key principles whilst supporting individuals to accept patterns that suit them. Now, so let's start with the principles which have four elements. The first of which is an overarching statement uh, covering a range of issues. Uh, specifically, that uh, employers will ensure that shift work rosters are, as far as possible, fair and equitable given the 24-7 service obligation of the employer and to have regard to the employee's family responsibilities to reduce fatigue, stress, and absenteeism. Uh, fair and equitable, uh, but balanced against service delivery obligations. 
And that's taking into account family responsibilities, OHS considerations like fatigue and stress. Which in, in the context of rosters are probably the kind of things that you would expect to be considered. The reference to absenteeism is really interesting and in how an employer is to have regard uh, for absenteeism. The next subclause states uh, Safe Work Australia's guide for managing the risk of fatigue at work will be used by employers as a guide in developing safe rosters. So when the agreement starts operating, uh, we'll post a copy of that document on the landing page for this agreement. The next subclause is more specific and goes into rostering practices. Specifically, rostering practices will seek to minimise recall and overtime to reduce fatigue and absenteeism, take into account health and welfare of employees and any issues of concerns expressed by an employee in relation to these, and subject to subclause 57.4 and the employer's operational requirements, minimise weekend work, including on-call and recall. So these are broad objectives that seek to balance the needs of employees and the operational requirements of the employer. Whilst the clause has been restructured, there are no changes here. So that takes us to the protocols, uh, which instead of general statements of principle are quite specific and prescriptive. So there are six protocols, uh, which the clause states will be applied in every roster. The following protocols will be applied in every roster, and that is the rostering of two consecutive weekend days will not occur, save for exceptional circumstances, or as per uh, subclause 57.5, the roster exemption agreement below. So what that's telling us is that there is a limit on the number of weekends other than in exceptional circumstances. That's as per the last agreement. Uh, what's new is the ability to have a roster exemption agreement in place, and we'll say more about that in a moment. Um, the second protocol provides um, that RDOs shall be rostered on consecutive days at a minimum of once in each fortnight. And just to be clear, uh, the reference to uh, RDO is a roster day off. Uh, that is not to be confused with an, uh, with an ADO. Uh, no, an ADO is really a reference to a person's weekend, so their days off. I was tempted to make some reference to RDO Speedwagon, but I was uh, concerned about being age shamed there. Um, the next protocol does uh, go to the issue of weekends, both in terms of the number of weekends free and the latest you can work uh, going into a weekend. And subclause C provides um, that the following protocols will be applied. Uh, so there shall be at least one weekend free of duty, uh, including from rostered on-call in every three-week period. Before the weekend free of duty, an employee will not be rostered past 9pm, so 9.30pm for Goblin Valley Health. Uh, on the Friday, immediately before the weekend, uh, an employee is rostered to work on one or both days. The next protocol concerns a cap on the amount of hours in a five-day period. Um, on the one hand, there's a limit on consecutive blocks at night. On the other hand, there's a recognition that some employees may request to work permanent night shifts. Yes, uh, and that subclause provides that night shifts will be rostered so an employee works no more than 40 hours in a maximum five-day period, and night shift will not be rostered in consecutive blocks, except in the case of a permanent night shift employee, who is an employee who has requested and works permanent night shifts. In this subclause, permanently working shall mean working for any period in excess of four consecutive weeks. The fifth protocol uh, concerns the earliest time a person can start after a day off, whether that's leave 
or else to day off an ADO or something else. Uh, it provides that shifts will not be rostered to commence before 6am on any day following a day of no duty. So that's your leave, RDO, ADOs, etc. And the final of the protocols goes to days off following a period of no duty. Um, so it provides that two consecutive RDO, ADO days will be rostered immediately following any period of night duty. So um, the rostering protocols, Maria, are not new. Uh, what is new is the capacity to have an exemption to those protocols. And we'll bring that term up on screen. So in part, um, what it provides is that an employee may request and an employer may agree to a roster pattern that is inconsistent with the rostering protocols at subclauses 57.4a and or 57.4c, where the request is at the initiative of the employee, um, providing that the employee has no less than six months employment with the employer. The changed roster is safe and there is a written rostering protocols exemption agreement in the form prescribed by Schedule 15. So there's a little bit to unpack there uh, and a few components uh, that are active. Uh, firstly, the scope is specific. That's right. It's not an exemption from any and all of the protocols, but two in particular, those being 57.4a, which concerns being rostered on two consecutive weekend days, just as a reminder, the protocol says that you can't be rostered for Saturday and Sunday, but there's an ability to override that through an exemption. And the second item within scope of the exemption is at 57.4c, which concerns weekends free from duty. Uh, an exemption can also override that term. So in addition to scope, there are some essential elements to protocol exemption agreements. Yes, so firstly, it's at the request of the employee, and we'll explain why that is in a moment. And an employee who wants uh, an exemption can be represented, uh, including by the union. Yes, that's correct. So an employee can withdraw by giving um, notice in writing. And just on that withdrawal from if an agreement is reached and an employee changes their mind or their circumstances change, they could do that unilaterally. Uh, it's not a question of whether the employer agrees or not. Correct. Uh, and where that occurs, there are terms around reverting to the protocols and the timing of that. And the exemption uh, agreement needs to be in a particular form. Yes. So there is a pro forma form that's included in the agreement. In terms of the purpose of having this, this capacity for an exemption agreement, what the parties discussed during bargaining is that the protocols impose certain limits or restrictions on rosters. However, if the intention of those protocols is to reduce the frequency of certain shifts like weekends that some people may not want to work, then it's useful to make additional weekend shifts available to those that are keen to work them. In terms of why, a person may for a period of time be looking to maximise their income because, for example, they're saving for a house or for some other reason. So to the extent that there is a, a demand to, uh, to work weekend shifts, uh, that is greater than what the protocols permit, the clause now supports that, uh, which in turn reduces the potential pressure on those who want to minimise those shifts. Uh, the last subclause, Maria, reflects another change, this time to a, a break between ordinary shifts. So it does. It provides that from four weeks after the agreement becomes operational, uh, rosters will contain at least 10 hours off duty between successive ordinary shifts, and that's an increase from eight hours. So where that's uh, currently not the case, what we recommend is that members commence consultation, and we'll go to that in a moment, 
uh, to ensure that a roster with a 10 hour break between ordinary shifts is established. And there are two terms that members should be aware of on the issue of the 10 hour break. So namely 57A, which details what happens where a 10 hour break is not given, and 57B, uh, which is the 10 hour break consultation term. Because consultation always comes first. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with 57B. Uh, that is consultation when people need to change their rosters to accommodate a 10 hour break between ordinary shifts. So in the period before clause 57.6a uh, Roman numeral 2 um, becomes operational to support the introduction of rosters with a 10 hour break between ordinary shifts, an employee may consult with employees uh, with a view to developing a new roster that includes the 10 hour break is consistent with the rostering protocols at 57.4 above and is equitable in an overall sense, having regard to the overall needs of the employees, um, including family responsibilities. This is really uh, providing people permission uh, to, to move to that different roster. Uh, we'll come back to that date of effect in just a moment, but what happens if ordinary shifts are worked without a 10 hour break after that point, uh, after the point that the term takes effect? So uh, really the same rule that applies around overtime and specifically uh, 57A.1 um, provides that where for urgent operational issues there is not at least 10 hours off between successive ordinary shifts uh, as required by 57.6 uh, Roman numeral 2, the employer, employee shall either be released from duty without loss of pay until they've had the 10 consecutive hours of duty or um, they'll be paid at the rate of double time until they're released from duty for such rest period. And where the employee is required to work without a 10 hour break uh, on the instructions of the employer. Uh, one of the things that became apparent when we consulted over this um, with our reference group is that uh, the existing rosters generally have 10 hours, uh, a 10 hour break, and that the impact of this term would likely be quite confined. But what we do recommend is that members use this time to consult, or firstly to check the rosters and see where it is they have those structural issues around an eight rather than a 10 hour break, and to begin that consultation process to put them in a good position to implement the 10 hour break when the agreement comes into operation. And in terms of the, the date of effect for those terms, which refers to subclause 57.6 Roman numeral two, um, we're, we're talking about taking effect from the date of the first roster posted following four weeks from the date this agreement comes into operation. Uh, Maria, thank you so much for taking us through clauses 55, 57, 57A and 57B of the new medical scientists agreement. Thank you, Stuart.